Good morning. As we uh, drive to chapel every Sunday morning, the conversations between Eva and us are mostly in the form of question and answering. If you did not guess, uh, Eva is the one who is asking the questions. (laughs) I'd be lying if I said I uh, love answering every single one of them. Now, I think the vast majority of us do not like to be questioned. Uh, Be it our boss, our teacher, friends, relatives, in my case, my kid. Uh, To enter into the United States in 2015, Jan 31st, uh, Chicago was my first port of entry into the United States. The uh, immigration officer was sitting behind the uh, uh, the glass thing, and uh, he had asked me, what is the purpose of your visit into the United States? And uh, if that person did not like the answer I give him, or he thinks I was lying, or I'm not being honest, he has a right to deny my entry into the United States, and he can deport me immediately. If our response, uh, you know, to these questions are so re- so important, uh, and uh, I also wanted to give an example. Like you, you all know, in the court of law, it is uh, a punishable offense to intentionally lie after being sworn to tell the truth. Right? Uh, forget the word. What is it called? Perjury. Perjury. Yeah, that's what it's called. So it's so very important to answer these questions to the best of your knowledge, right? In truth, how much more important it is to answer the questions that God asks us. What is our attitude towards the question that God asks us? Obviously, today he does that through his word. Did you know in the Bible there are like hundreds of questions? It was actually when I was preparing for this, I got to know that there were hundreds of questions. Uh, I could not find a way to find out the total number of questions in the Old Testament asked by God. I tried doing a control find in the PDF. It, It did not give me a right number. But I was able to find out that in the New Testament, there are over 300 questions that Jesus Christ himself asked. Over 300 questions Jesus Christ asked. And this morning, we'll be looking at the first question in the Bible, which is also the first question that God asked mankind. And we all know what that is. What is it? Where are you? Where are you? As a new believer in my uh, 10th grade, that's when I started going to uh, church. In my 10th grade, I was asking to myself, why would uh, God ask Adam, where is he? Or for that matter, why would he ask any questions? Right? We know God is uh, omniscient. And that means he is all-knowing. He knows the answer even before he asks the question. Why then would he ask a question? The questions that God asks are not so much for his sake. It's for us. They are for us. God wants to draw us near to himself and search and know us. That's the reason he asks questions. God delights in his children coming to him and hearing him as he speaks by his uh, uh, spirit through his word. He wants to speak to us and he wants us to learn as we listen to him. And we, we, we can know that through uh, various verses in the Bible. 
We'll go through a couple of them. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses uh, 4 through 7. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses uh, 4 through 7. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. We also will uh, look at Proverbs chapter 2 verses 1 through 6. By the way, we're going to be doing a lot of reading today. Feel free to just listen to me or this is a good time to you know, practice your getting to the references really fast. Uh, whatever you're comfortable with. Uh, Proverbs chapter 2 verses 1 through 6. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands with you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So we can see that in many other verses that God loves talking to us. right? And so the questions that he asks always serves a purpose. He does not ask questions to obtain information, as I said, because he already possesses that information. So his questioning in different parts of the Bible serves different uh, purposes, and that varies based on the question and the context and to whom the question is uh, uh, directed at. And as I said, like during Jesus' ministry on the earth, he, he often asked questions. He loved asking questions. I said there were over 300 or 350 questions he asked. We'll go through a couple of them, uh, and uh, we'll go through why, uh, what was the reasoning behind those questions. Uh, in Mark uh, chapter 8, verses 27, he asked, Who do people say I am? He was asking this to his disciples. He was asking, who do people say I am? And here I think he was setting up an opportunity for his uh, disciples to learn. He wanted his disciples to know that who, who do they think that he is. In uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, verses 26, he asks, what is written in the law? How do you read it? Here he was wanting his uh, hearers, uh, he wanted to bring their attention to something very significant. Right? He's asking them, what is written in the law? How do you read it? In, in John's Gospel, chapter 5 and verses 6, he asked, do you want to get well? Obviously, he knew he wanted, uh, uh, that person wanted to get well, but he's prompting an introspection. Right? He wanted that person to think. That is the reason he asked, do you want to get well? In Luke's Gospel, chapter 20 and 17, he asks, what is the meaning of that which is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. There again, he was probing them, right? He, was, he, was, he wanted them to think deeper. That is what he was asking that question. And in Luke's uh, Gospel 8 and 45, he asked, who touched me? This is uh, when uh, he was walking and there was a lot of crowd pressing around him. And then we had that woman touch his garment. Did he know who touched him? He very well did. And he asked, who touched me? He wanted the faith of the lady to be brought to light. Right? He wanted others to know that she, she believed in him. And hence he asked that question. And the last, uh, last question is John's Gospel 20 and 15. Why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? This is when Mary was crying. 
she came to the tomb and she was crying and uh, it was a big revelation right and uh, further on we read that uh, he says that uh, the person is no longer dead and all that so it was a big revelation and that was the reason why he asked that question and we find similar questions in uh, in old testament too i won't be going through all the details but a couple of them is in exodus chapter 4 uh, he asks moses what is it in your hand in uh first king chapter 19 he asks elijah what are you doing here in isaiah chapter 40 he asks why do you complain jacob in all these places god knew the answer very well but still he asked a question to serve a purpose same was the case when he asked adam where are you that is what we'll be looking at this morning uh i have divided the purpose of that question into three reasons uh we'll be looking at all of those reasons a little bit in detail and to make it easier uh i uh, call them the three p's alphabet p okay letter p alphabet p uh the first one is his uh, position when god asked adam where are you god wanted adam to understand his position his current uh, place and it's all these reasons are ac- uh, applicable for us even today so god wanted uh adam to understand his position how do we know that if we read the verse uh, 3 and 9 we read uh, but the lord god called to the man where are you and if we go down uh, two verses verses 11 he see uh, we see that he is asking who told you that you were naked have you eaten from the tree from which i commanded you not to eat now if you look at this one interesting thing is uh many of us may overlook is it's it's singular here right and uh uh i don't know how much but many of us would like to uh blame eve right he he was the one who gave the uh, apple or fruit to adam but god in in verse 9 he's making it very personal he's making it singular he's asking where are you in verse 11 again as i read who told you that you were naked have you eaten from the tree from which i commanded you not to eat he did not say uh, where are you to he did not say that why did both of you do something that i commanded you not to god's dealing with us today is also very personal it is always directed at me as a person as a single person if my if my parents were believers that does not make me a believer that does not make me a christian if my uh, church is spiritual that does not make me spiritual god god is always interested in me as a single person and if my individual relationship with god is not proper it does not matter what i do as a group or as a community that's a hard truth Adam right from the beginning is treated as the one ultimately responsible for all of this for all, for the fall of mankind. We read that in in uh Romans chapter 5 and verses 12. Right Romans 5 and 12. If one of you find it earlier feel free to read it. Romans 5 and 12. Therefore just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin and in this way death 
came to all men because all sinned. So the question here is to Adam alone, not to both of them, to realize what he has done uh, and, uh, uh, and what is its result. Another example that I wanted to take was from the uh, parable of uh, lost son, the prodigal son in Luke's gospel, chapter 15, verses 11 through 17. We'll go through those verses. Luke's gospel, chapter 12, verses 11 through 17. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the state. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out as a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. I think in that verse, uh, verse 17, it says where he, when he came to his senses, I believe that's when he asked, uh, asked himself, you know, where am I? When he finished spending all that uh, money and uh, when he's going through those difficulties, I, I believe that's when it striked him. Is this, is this where I'm supposed to be? And he asked that question to himself. I don't belong here. So he got up and went to his father. He positioned himself uh, to be a servant in his father's house for all he did. God wants us to carefully examine what place are we in today. He wants us to ask that question to ourselves. Another last example that I want to go through is uh, Samson in in the book of uh, Judges, Judges chapter 16 and verses 23 onwards. Judges chapter 16 Verses 23, now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to celebrate, saying, Our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. When the people saw him, they praised their God, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land, and multiplied our slain. While they were in the high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of prison, and he performed for them. When they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant, Who held his hand? Put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple, so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there, and on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more. And let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for two of my uh, for my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his uh, right hand on one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, "Let me die with the Philistines." Then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. 
thus killed many more when he died than when he lived. Now if you try visualizing this whole picture, there is Samson. He's not able to see what's happening around him. He can hear the music. He can uh, hear people laughing and uh, mocking at him. And, uh, and I was thinking maybe as he's walking towards this whole uh, stadium, maybe, uh, he, he's not sure where he's going. But once he's there, he understands where is he. Right? Probably crying and uh, he's asking, where am I? And uh, that question would have been answered when he was asked to perform. And he would have thought to himself, this is definitely not where God wants me to be. This is definitely not where God intended me to be. Right? And as I said, like we need to ask that question to ourselves and evaluate our position with God with, for every decision we make. For every decision we make, be it our school, our uh, course, uh, where we live, who's our uh, life partner. From a worldly standpoint, now everything may look absolutely fine. Right? But if we are in a place that God does not want us to be, it's going to be a disaster. I remember my uh, first job after my degree. Yeah, after degree. Uh, it was a networking company. Well paid. Yeah, they picked me up in the morning uh, from home. They dropped me back. There was cab. Uh, good career prospects. Uh, everything was nice and uh, something that I was really interested in, computer networking. Uh, but the uh, job would uh, prevent me from going to church on Sunday morning. My uh, friends did not agree with me or they did not think that I was wise. They called me a fool when I quit the job. Uh, on the other hand, uh, Annie's first uh, posting after her medicine was in a remote hospital in, in, in India. Uh, the hospital was, I don't think anybody would have heard about that hospital. It was like very remote interior parts of India. Uh, they treat HIV and uh, leprosy patients. Here is Annie in her uh, probably early 20s, a uh, young lady uh, serving in a HIV and a leprosy hospital, and everybody were against it. They're like, I don't think this is a place where you're supposed to be. I don't think this is the age for you to do this. But Annie was very convinced that this is exactly what God wanted her to do, and there was nothing to worry about. Sometimes where are you is very much in, required to inspect and reassure that you are in the will of God. So that was our, the reasoning for uh, the question, the first reason, the first P, to evaluate your position, evaluate your, evaluate your place, first P. Second one is providence. God asked, where are you? Because God cares for you. He wants to provide for you. That's why he asked. In chapter, uh, in verse 6 uh, of uh, chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6, we read uh, 6 and 7. When the uh, woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. 
let's read uh, eight as well. Eight, yeah, eight and nine as well. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of God as he was walking in the gar uh, in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the garden, hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to human, called to the man, "Where are you?" I was thinking about this, and I think there was some some time period or like some amount of time given between verses six, seven, and eight. They ate the fruit. Their eyes were open. Uh, they realized they were naked, and uh, they had some time to make clothes for themselves. They, I don't think it's extremely fast to uh, sew leaves, but they did that. Uh, in other words, what I'm saying is, it was not like immediately they ate the fruit and God struck them. Firstly, thank God He did not do that. Thank God He does not do it today. Otherwise, I don't think, or at least I will not be here. Uh, I think most of us would not be here, and we live in the age of grace. Uh, other than some instances recorded in the Bible, I think God has always given time to self-realize what the person has done, given time to repent, and once they repent, He not only forgives but also provides. When He asked Adam, "Where are you?" He wanted Adam to understand that he cannot provide for himself. Adam and Eve said uh, they were naked. He made them say it so that uh, they understand, they realize that the clothes that they just made for themselves is not sufficient, is not good. And finally, he clothed them. The fig leaves which Adam and Eve sewed together speak of our own righteousness, which is never, ever acceptable before God. In Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6, we read, All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our uh, sins sweep us away. The clothes they made speak to us of man's effort to gain acceptance before God. But the garments of skin tell us that the animal that had been killed, the blood that was shed, and God himself had made provision for his children to be clothed. So the question must be asked today to us, are we Are you dressed in the fig leaves, trusting in your own merit for acceptance before God? Or are you dressed in the garments of skin, which speak of God's gracious provision and righteousness God provided in his Son? You know, even outside uh, salvation, we have always been very good in trying to make things uh, work on our own. And... uh, We can take the uh, classic example of uh, Abraham and Sarah trying to make things work on their own uh, through Hagar. Uh, We know God promised them a son. They thought they were too old. So they tried to make things work on their own, and uh, we know how that went. Let's read a couple of verses from that. Uh, Genesis chapter 16, verses 15. Genesis chapter 16. Verses 15 onwards. Yeah. So Hagar bore Abraham a son, and Abraham gave the name Ishmael to the son he had born. Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will 
greatly increase your numbers. Now, if those of you good in math, how many years was it uh, between verse 16 and uh, 17 verse 1? All the young fellows. How many years? 86 and 99. 13? 13, right? I was expecting somebody from that. 13, I think. Yeah, 6 plus 3, yeah. 13 years. It took 13 years uh, for uh, God to talk to uh, Abraham and again reestablish his covenant. I think that is the time God gave, it's not mentioned here, but, but I think that's the time God gave Abraham to think, to introspect, to realize what he has done was wrong. 13 years. And then he says in verse 2, I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. God provided and kept his promise to Abraham. That was the second P. So we saw his his, uh, current place, Abraham's and our current place, and uh, providence, second P. And the third P, the last one, I think I'm really fast. Uh, The third P is uh, promotion. God asked, where are you, Adam, so that he can make a way to restore them. You know, later in the chapter, we have the first promise, which is also the greatest prophecy in the Bible, that the seed of the woman is going to bruise the head of the serpent. Right? We uh, oftentimes think we can help ourselves. We can lift us up uh, by ourselves, but we cannot wanted to take the example of uh, uh, Joseph. Let's read a couple of verses. Genesis chapter 41, verses 12 onwards. And we'll go all the way down to 14. Uh, Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And the things turned out exactly as he interpreted to us. I was restored to my position and the other man was hanged. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he was quickly brought uh, from the dungeon when he had shaved and changed his clothes. He came before uh, Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it. Yeah, um, 40, oh, I think I'm reading 41 verses. My bad, sorry. 40 verses 12. I'm reading uh, chapter, yep. So this is what it means. Joseph said to him, The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up, lift your head, and restore you to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness, mention me to the Pharaoh, and get me out of the prison. For I was forcibly carried out from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have nothing Uh, I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given him a favorable, given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh. But the birds were eating, eating them out of the basket in my head. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift, lift off your head and hang you on a tree and the birds will eat away your flesh. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday 
and he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his official. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup in Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The cupbearer, chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. You know, uh, Joseph is definitely one of my favorite characters in the Bible, and uh, I look upon Joseph as my model when it comes to certain matters. But one of the uh, interesting things is, Joseph said, uh, please remember me in, in verses uh, 14. And please remember me and do me a favor when things go well, uh, mention me to Pharaoh. But end of this verse, we read that, uh, however, the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. When we look to others, when we look to our finances, when we look to our health, when we think that they will help us in the time of our need, it would, it would, it would not. When we ask others, please remember me, instead of asking Lord, it won't work out. It took another two full years for the cupbearer to remember Joseph when uh, Pharaoh had a dream. Now, God not only gave Joseph what he had previously, but he also promoted uh, uh, Joseph to the top official. Right? He was like a prime minister, a governor in the, uh, the land of Egypt. Fast forwarding to chapter 50, we read that final uh, meeting with him and his uh, siblings, 50 and verses uh, 15. We read, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of, of the God, your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph's response to his family is simply outstanding. Am I in the place of God? After all that was done to him by his brothers, putting him in the pit, uh, selling him and considering the power he has at his hand probably a finger snap uh, he can get the revenge that he wants but his response is am I in the place of God oftentimes I think when I when I drive even this morning when people cut in front of me I always think from somewhere there must be a cop hiding right w what a dramatic scene it would be <laughs> when they cut me or they suddenly they're there in front of me that's my temper but Joseph very well knew God is the one who restored him. He's exactly where God wants him to be and there is no need to hold any revenge since God is fully in control. 
I was born into a Hindu family. At the age of uh, 13, God found me where I was. Even now, I vividly remember uh, saying my prayers in front of the idols. I still remember uh, some of the songs that you are supposed to sing in front of the idols. I've memorized them. I still know them. Pretty much everybody outside my immediate family are still Hindus worshiping idols. How thankful I am that God found me when I was lost. Gave me a new life, gave me hope, and here I am today. How thankful each one of us should be that at some point in your life, God asked you, where are you? And he found you. If you were not asked that question, anybody listening to me, if you were never asked that question, God is asking you today that question. Because he wants to position you, he wants to provide for you, and he wants to promote you. like to close with a few questions and a verse from uh, Revelation. God is asking you, where are you? Where are you today? Where are you in your relationship to God? Are you walking with God, acknowledging his presence, or are you hiding from God? Revelation chapter 3 and verses 20 says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Let's close with a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we, we thank you, O God, for finding us where we are, for coming down to this earth you created. Good Lord, your word says that all of us were lost. We went our own way, but you came to us wherever we were. And you, you cared for us. You made us understand that we cannot save ourselves, we cannot provide for ourselves. You did that for us, O oh God. Jesus Christ, we are so thankful for your sacrifice on that cross. And we pray that anybody here today who has not accepted you, you are asking them, where are you? Are you with me? Do you believe in me? And we thank you for the promise that we will see you one day. And all our questions will be answered. Thank you for talking to us through your word. Thank you for your written word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. This we pray in your name alone. Amen. Let's sing uh, hymn number 196, Trust and Obey, before... Uh, we disperse. If you don't mind uh, standing, 196.
Thank you.